Hey, you've been sitting for a while. Praise the Lord. Yay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your applause. Uh, stand up for just a second. You've been sitting for a while. Let's just stretch your legs out. And uh, we're going to uh, share a message with you for about 30 minutes or so, 35 minutes. So we're going to go hard and heavy. So get ready. Uh, loosen up a little bit because we're going to receive. Let me pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for helping us to see clearly what you have in store for us as a church family. So, God, these next seven years are going to be amazing. And we're going to look back at this and say, look what the Lord has done. So we thank you for a great time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. All right, so welcome to week number two. Just give you a quick update on what we've covered, where we're going. Last week, if you missed it, we really encourage you to definitely go online and watch it because we kind of took you on a journey, get everybody on the same page with the VFC story, past, present, and future. Today we're going to talk about a vision worth living for, and you'll, that'll make sense as we go. Next week, of course, is Easter, so don't miss it. Two Saturday night services, two Sunday morning. Then the following week, also don't miss it because then we're going to talk about this whole idea, kids. Kids are our future. Your kids, your grandkids, they're the future. And you're going to have the chance to see live the production that the kids' ministry is doing next weekend. For Easter, they're doing a huge production. Uh, what's it called again? This is part of, part, of part of his world. Part of his world. And um, they've got costumes and music, and it's just going to be fantastic. Well, the weekend after Easter, they're going to do it here live in this room. And the reason for that is because then your kids have seen it. They're going to be motivated to invite friends and family and neighbors. It's a great opportunity for you to invite couples and families and folks in your neighborhood to come and witness it. It's very, like, non-threatening. It's very easy, and it's going to be phenomenal. So that's week three. And then the, and then the next week, week four, we're going to get an opportunity to hear from the folks who are involved with our middle school ministry, Flex Club, and also our high school ministry, Vox, which you are going to love that because they're some great communicators. And they're going to bring a great message. It's going to be a really wonderful service. It's going to be a student takeover. So that happens week five. Week six, the last week is, or I'm sorry, that's week four. Week five, the very last week, the big, hairy, audacious goals. And we'll share with you guys what we believe the Lord's put in our heart for these next seven years. And they might seem a little ridiculous in the natural, but with God, all things are possible and he's got a heart and a passion to reach this world and so we'll share that week number so, five so we always say this if, if your vision is is something that you can fulfill by yourself your vision's not big enough but if your vision is so crazy out there it's only god can do it then that's really where you want to live yeah. from so as beth said this week today we want to spend our time really talking about before we get to the future we really want to talk about the things that we value most here and so we're going to talk about really two major things and one number one what are the seven non-negotiables what are the things around here that we consider non-negotiable. And then we're going to fi finish up t today with talking about the things that are negotiable. What are the things that we do that, that you know, might change or adjust because of the nature of things and, and uh, the world that we, we minister to? But there are definitely seven non-negotiable things you want to hit. Yeah. So here's a verse to get us kicked off. Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14. Again, it's just a great reminder. It says, those who are planted... Like, why are we doing this vision casting series? To help your roots stay planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. And all the old people said, Amen. <laughs> they shall be fresh and flourishing. That key word there, flourishing, means fruitfulness. And just like in our backyards, our front yards, if you keep uprooting a plant and you go replant it somewhere else, yes, the roots will go down. Yes, it'll 
be somewhat, it can get healthy, but you know what? You keep replanting it. It doesn't produce fruit. It's not flourishing. It's still alive, but it's not fruitful. And God's heart for all of us is to get planted in the church he's called you to, put your roots down deep, and then allow fruit to come forth. And that's what we see in this verse. So just so you know, we're big supporters of the body of Christ and of, of various churches that are around. And, and so, you know, we don't talk negative about other churches, about other ministries, nothing like that. So we're just committed to the local church. But we do believe that it's God's plan for us, as Beth mentioned, to be planted in a local house, to right. be planted in a church. And so, you know, we live in a kind of a bounce around culture. We go here, we go there, we go here, we go there. But really, we think it's best that people make a decision to say, you know what, this is where I'm going to plant my spiritual roots. This is where I'm going to flourish. I love that word, be fresh and yeah. flourish. In other words, uh, what, what you want, what, when, when things are working well at, a, at your local church and you're fully planted, things will remain fresh. It, it remains fresh for you. Yeah. So that's, what, that's our vision. That's what we believe God has for all of us. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about seven non-negotiables. We just got into one of them last week, but we'll just go through the list and we'll hit on a couple of them as we go. Number one, non-negotiable around here is the word. We believe the Bible. It's what we believe. It's what we preach. We're a Bible-based church. It's our plumb line. It's our standard. Number two, the spirit who leads us. Number three, worship, who we praise. Number four, the mission, why we exist. Number five, the vision, what we see. Number six, the core values, how we live. And then number seven, the priorities, the things we're focused on. There's, there's five, and you'll see it in a minute. But we could do a lot of things, but then we would just be running all over the place, putting out fires. We're focused on the priorities that God's given us for here at BFC. In the business world, you'll hear a lot about company culture or business culture, organizational culture. And I recently read a book on culture. It talked about how culture trumps everything else in an organization. And culture even trumps vision because culture really is who you are. It, it, it comes in and through you. It's, it's sort of the DNA of the organization. And so when we talk about these non-negotiables, what we're really talking about is, is the culture and, and the, the DNA of really how we really walk out life together. So number one, as Beth mentioned, was, is the word, what we, what we believe in. So we spent th- time talking about that last week. Here's number two, the spirit who leads us. In other words, I remember in, in, in Psalms it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. This idea that we're not trying to do something, this isn't our human vision. This isn't our human effort or work. It's, it's really a, an effort and, a, and desire to follow the Lord, to be led by God. Remember the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons and daughters of God. And so our goal is, is to hear from heaven right. and get his instructions, his vision, and then walk it out by faith. It's one thing to hear from heaven, but it's another thing to have to then walk it out by faith. We have to do that together in faith. Yeah. Number three is worship, who we praise, non-negotiable. We are a worshiping church. We love our praise and worship team. They do a phenomenal job. We love heartfelt straight up to the throne kind of worship. We love declarative songs about who we are in Christ. And so we have never had a desire, although we talked about last week, we're an attractional church in that we want people to come to church so that we can develop missional disciples. While that's true, we've also 
just decided we're not going to water down the worship. We really want to have heartfelt, passionate worship with lyrics that are going to build your faith. And we talk to our team a lot about certain songs we either won't sing or we'll have to revamp the lyrics a little bit because we want it to be biblical and we want it to build your faith and take you somewhere in the Lord. So that's a core value, non-negotiable. Really important for us because here's what you need to know about worship. You are designed to worship. It's in your DNA. So when we remove God out of the picture, then then because it's in our DNA, we try to replace him with other things. So you might end up worshiping your family, worshiping your spouse, worshiping your work, right. worshiping something else, some idol of something. But, but it's really, there, there's something about gathering together where we all corporately remind ourselves, like we did this morning, the place that God's whole, God holds in our life, first place. We put our effort and our worship on him. I like something Timothy Keller said. He, he said, you were, uh, everyone worships something. The only choice we have is what we worship. And so we choose to worship Jesus Christ and lift him up. Somebody say amen yeah, to that. Amen. Now we know it's a challenge at times to have a multi-generational church. And we all understand that because there's certain songs that all of us sang when God was doing this amazing work in our life at the beginning. And those are the songs we still want to sing. I mean, I still want to sing songs from the 70s and late 70s. All right. (laughs) But those were the songs that really hit my heart. But you know what? We also know it's important to sing the now songs, the modern songs, because we're endeavoring to reach a multi-generational group of people. And so that just means we have a heart to worship God. And Lord, help me to connect with whatever words and whatever melody we're singing. Help me just to get my heart engaged and go straight to the throne. And and so that is one of the reasons why she mentioned that we are really careful with the wording because we want to make sure that the songs we sing things, build faith, but also exalt Jesus. And so, so oftentimes we right. will hear songs that, that are good songs that maybe make statements about the Christian faith, but they really won't lift up the name of Christ. And without him, we don't have much. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. He really, he's the focus. All right. Numbers, number four is the mission. The mission. Everybody say mission. Mission. So that's why we exist. So here's our mission. We exist to help people become committed followers of Jesus Christ who do three things. Who get the Bible basics, live the joyful life, and do the eternal stuff. In other words, when you truly get the Bible, what we consider the basics. Now, it's not, it's the fundamentals, we would say, of faith. The result of that or the fruit of that is a joy-filled, faith-filled life. Right. When you really understand the goodness of God, when you see from God's word the promises of what would be accomplished of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it, it, it causes you to have an internal joy and peace that the world doesn't understand. Right. Uh, but we get to experience. And so that's why. That's our mission. That's what gets us up every day, gets us to work to do the things that we're doing because that's what we believe God has for all of us. The result of getting the basics, having that joy-filled life, is then you're empowered to do that eternal stuff. All of us want to make a difference with our life. It's a God-given thing, a divinely implanted sense of purpose each and every person has. And we can live really frustrated if that's not being fulfilled. And so that's the mission. Help people get the Bible basics, get a great foundation, be a joyful, faith-filled Christian, and then do the stuff that God's called you to do. And so that's the, the mission. The vision is very similar, but a little bit different. So we see a large local family church. And get this, large local family church. 
family on purpose, local on purpose, large on purpose. Those aren't just words we put together. It's we really felt this is who God intended us to be. We've always seen that, even when we were a small church, that we always had this idea that we could do more for families. The larger we are, we could do more more things. So a large local uh, church with a global teaching impact, helping people everywhere get the basics. And you saw that on the videos today. Live the life and do the stuff. So vision by definition is what we see. And so like Jeff said, this is stuff that we've seen in our heart for many, many years, decades. But really the big deal and the reason to share it with you guys is because we all need to see it. And we're hopeful that as we're doing this series and even as you're seeing video testimonies from other people, it, it, it even helps our vision. But we hope it helps your vision to go, oh, I see it. I get it. I see what we as a church are called to do. How many of you feel like you're getting it just a little bit more? The vision's coming in to clear focus. I mean, that's the desire and that's the goal. All right. So number six uh, in our non-negotiables are our core values. These are the things as we have over the years just sought after God. What are the things that just resonate within us? What permeates us? What's our, our DNA? And so we have these 12 core values, and here's what they are. Core values are the most important characteristics as a community of believers. They are our DNA of who we are and who we want to be. In other words, who we want to express the life of Christ too. And so uh, they're going to throw this picture up there. This is some of our V crew members wearing their core value t-shirts. And you'll see these throughout the, the congregation here this morning. You'll see them in the, in the atrium after service. But real quickly, here's our 12 uh, core values. Jesus is our Lord, not our religion. We're not perfect, but he's not done. The Bible is our plumb line. We live for the line, not the dot. Generosity defines us. Life is short. Church should be fun. It's about names, not numbers. Everyone does the dishes. The Queen of Sheba inspires us. We all scream green. Everyone has superpowers. Oh, little town of Kalamazoo. Okay, so we're going to just hit a couple of highlights on several of these core values. Again, because you guys see the t-shirts around and you've heard bits and pieces, but why are these our core values? And so just again, to get us all on the same page. So number one, Jesus is our Lord, not our religion. That is a massive core value. Sometimes it's fashionable in culture and social media and things just to say stuff, you know, inspiring quotes or something, but we're not, we're not about just being inspiring. He's, he's our Lord. He's not our religion. And so there, when, when somebody or something is your Lord, that means they call the shots. That means we are surrendered to Christ in our hearts individually and then together as a church. He's the Lord of VFC. It's his church. He's building it. He's the Lord of our individual lives. And, you know, Jesus, if there was anybody Jesus got on their case in the Bible, it was religious people. He always got frustrated with religion. But he loved people that really had a genuine heart after him and those that would make him Lord. So that's a major core value. Which requires, which requires, like you say, ultimate surrender to him in every area of our life. Number two, we're not perfect, but he's not done. A reminder that we accept imperfect people. None of us are perfect. We live in a fallen world. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short, but we've been made righteous through Christ and through what he did for us. Again, even though we become have right standing with yeah. God, God accepts us. He's not going to leave us where we are. We're always changing, always adjusting. And to me, that's one of the greatest things about the Christian faith is we have a chance to always grow. Aren't you glad yeah. about that? I'm glad I'm not the same guy I was a year ago or 10 years ago, and she is too. So uh, that was a joke. No, I mean, I'm glad. Yeah. Right. Well, you, yeah, I'm glad you changed, but I'm glad I changed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you've just gotten better. <laughs> well, it's just a good thing to know that's how we extend grace to one another. 
Like there's nobody, no perfect people allowed is how some people describe it. And that's a good freeing place to be with the idea that he's just moving us forward. He doesn't leave us where he found us. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Number three, the Bible is our plumb line. And we've alluded to that. But again, it is the standard. You know, it's not a relativistic mindset. There are absolute Bible truths. And then even more importantly, God gives revelation knowledge on his word so that the dots connect and it makes sense. As opposed to being legalistic and harsh, he's redeemed us from the law. And yet he gives us his word as this plumb line. And so we we trust the Holy Spirit continues to give us revelation knowledge to walk out his word for his glory and for our benefit. So number four is we live for the line and not the dot. In other words, we believe eternity is a long time. And and it's a reminder that we really have two ways to live life. We can either live life in what the Bible calls the temporal or the, the current life that we're in. Or for the eternal. And it's, of course, we choose to live for eternity because it's a lot longer than this life that we have. In fact, I don't know about you, but as we've gotten older and, and realized we're even further at the end of our dot, that, that I'm glad that we've spent the last 35 years devoted our lives to eternity and to eternal things because that's really what it's worth. Everything else is sort of wood, hay, and stubble in a lot of ways. And you've heard us say it before, but every single person at some point, we have to make a decision because most of us just grow up living for the dot, our temporary lives. But at some point, we all have to make a decision to go, you know what, I'm going to change the internal motivator for the decisions I make. I'm going to now live for the line. I'm going to live for eternal things. And that's what we say, that's what we mean when we say we're living for the line, not the dot. But it doesn't just happen accidentally. I mean, many of you have made the decision, but maybe you're here and you're new to all this. Man, it is a free, happy day when you say, I'm not just going to live for self and for my little dot. I'm going to live for a greater purpose and the eternal quotient of what God's doing. Number five, generosity defines us. Talked about that a lot as a church, and we do a lot in our community and around the world, giving-wise. We endeavor to give to the poor, to give to the hungry, to give to missionaries, to do a lot around the world uh, and locally. And that's just a core value, and it's many of your all's uh, personal core values as well, and it'll remain. So number six is life is short, church should be fun. We, we think life should be fun because Jesus was anointed with oil, with the oil of gladness above his fellows or above his contemporaries. In other words, Jesus was joyful. And yeah. so we think our lives as Christians should be joyful. And as a church, when we gather together, there should be lots of fun. Even though we're serious about the gospel, we're serious yeah. about the commission, we, we should do it with joy and laughter. Number seven, it's about names, not numbers. So while on one hand, we believe that God wants to reach everybody. And so in the sense of, you know, a large family church, in the sense of that, that's true because God loves everybody. Right at the same time, all of us are individual people. We have names, we have stories, we have stuff. And so the core value here is while we are wanting to reach as many people as we can in Southwest Michigan, it still is about the names of the people. It still is about individual people. And so the encouragement is for all of us to be friendly, to meet people, to learn names, A lot of times for Jeff and I, we'll go on Facebook or Instagram and just get acquainted with different people online, send them a note or like something they posted. We're doing that on purpose because we're not just a glob of people that are nameless and faceless. We are individual people, and that's even more important. Boy, isn't it more important in the world in which we live? 
people feel lost, but no, it's about names, not numbers. So core value number eight is everyone does the dishes. Everybody does the dishes. In other words, we're all doing this together. Here's the, the thing I love about the body of Christ. We've all been gifted with various gifts and talents, whatever those might be. Our job is to come, come together as the body of Christ locally and bring those gifts together and, and work in harmony together to do some awesome things for God. We all have a part to play in the big picture, you know, to do services here. As you know, we have uh, around 800 volunteers that help us do church. So that's an amazing number of people who have who are helping out doing the dishes. Otherwise, we couldn't do what we do. But the key word there is everybody does the dishes. And we have many, many opportunities for you to get involved serving God. If you're not already plugged in, it's the best way to feel like you're a part, a participant, not a spectator. And so, boy, just roll your sleeves up, get to the kitchen, ask somebody, what do you need me to do? And we can definitely put you... Put you in a good place. Number nine, the Queen of Sheba inspires us. It's a story from the Old Testament. But she was just in, impressed. If, maybe that's not the right word. Just touched. Let's put it that way. She was impacted by the excellence of Solomon's kingdom. And so even the things we do around here, we try to be really good stewards, be very frugal, you know, low budget sometimes on certain things. But while at the very same time, make it excellent and let God's glory be seen. Core number 10 is, is we all scream green. Let me define what that means. It's just we decide we're not going to live life by our personal preferences. We're going we're gonna to be on the same team together. I was reminded, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, who, who was the, uh, one of the quarterbacks for Alabama last year, uh, and he recently transferred to do his final season uh, at Oklahoma. And so imagine if he shows up at an Oklahoma practice wearing an Alabama sh- jersey. They're not going to appreciate that, right? I'm sure one of the things he did when he decided to change universities was sort of put all of his Oklahoma or all of his Alabama stuff in a box. I'm sure he's not going to burn it, but he's going to put it in a box because when he's a, you know, a sooner, he's a sooner. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. We get into what we're doing here. We're a team together. We're accomplishing great things together. Yeah. Number 11, everyone has superpowers. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a calling, a purpose. And Your gift is important. You may be a behind-the-scenes person, an organizer, a people person, whatever the case, or you may be a more upfront person. That's great. God uses all the gifts, and we want to, with his help, get you placed and positioned so that those superpowers can come forth. So our final core value is, we we call it like this, O Little Town of Kalamazoo. And what we love about that is people out in the world around us, sometimes we'll look down at, you know, a town, this is of a, of a maybe a, not as big as a big city like Chicago or Detroit or L.A. Or, or whatever. But there's nothing that, with God's help, that we can't do that other big cities or big churches can do. We can make right. a difference on the, in the Come world. On. Right here out of Kalamazoo, Woo-hoo. Michigan. Kalamazoo is an awesome city to be from and be a part of. And so we love the fact that we're here doing these things. So that's our, that's our, our, our number six of our priorities was our, our uh, core values. Number seven is where we focus. Talk a little bit about our well, focus. And we'll get into this a little bit as well in the coming weeks, but the priorities, the things we focus on, five things we focus on, weekend services, including Monday night, um, kids ministry, student ministries, training adults and spiritual growth development, as well as ministry outreach. And so we have a lot of different outreaches. We do the Basics with Beth is one of them. Friday Groceries is one of them. The Boom Network to help pastors is one of them. So those are the five things we're focused on, and it helps us stay on track and not get distracted running after shiny things. So those are our seven non-negotiables. Those are the things that we really trust that God's 
called us to do is the vision that he's put in our hearts and what we're following after him. But then there are some negotiables in, in the way we do what we do, you know, adjust and can change. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Here's what some of the negotiables are. And those of you that have been around here for a while, you've seen these things adjust with the culture and the times in which we live over the years. Number one, the church name. The church name is negotiable. Now we started the church. It was Kalamazoo Valley Family Church. And then when God began to put some things in our heart about taking it beyond Kalamazoo, we thought, well, we probably just need to drop the Kalamazoo part and make it Valley Family Church. Then that gives us some latitude to have some multi-sites and other things elsewhere. So again, not that we're planning to change the name of the church, but you know, if it seemed like a God thing at some point down the road, it's negotiable. Number two, the language. There's certain verbiage we would use, certain ways we would word our mission statement or, you know, some of our core values. And again, it's it's only the only reason to change it is because it'll help connect better with people. As an example, you notice when I took the platform and I mentioned that this is Holy Week. Well, if you don't, and then I defined what it is. In other words, it was the week where Jesus came into Jerusalem and they, where they laid the palms down. So kind of explaining what Palm Sunday was. So I used a religious term, what Christians would know as the Passion Week or Holy Week, we simply then, if we use the language uh, of religion, then we define what we do so that people who are un- unfamiliar with it can understand because they, well, what's Holy Week? Well, yeah. we'll, just, we'll define it for you. Like one of our core values, the Bible is our plumb line. So that's just a modern way to say we believe the Bible. We could have said the Holy Writ is our something, something. But people in the culture wouldn't really get it. That's all we're saying is we're, we endeavor, especially those of us on platform, to use language that people connect with. Did you mention attire yet? No. Okay. Attire, when we started the church, I wore a suit. And, and so I, I, and Beth wore suits as well uh, with, with shoulder pads. <laughs> shoulder Remember pads. those shoulder pads and the ladies' suits? Uh, <clears throat> she'd pad up, you know. Help shoulder. me, Jesus. <clears throat> so uh, I had two suits because we didn't have any money. So I had two suits, and I, I wore them opposite weeks. And I had a fair, I remind myself which one I wore last week. So I wore two suits, wore suits every week until the culture changed and began to really be more casual. So if, if you were expecting the folks up here to be dressed up better than we are, this is kind of our, our, our on purpose so that people who come to church feel comfortable. They don't have to have, be, have to get all dressed up. You can just wear what you wear. No, because there was a time, it's changed a lot in most churches, but there was a time people wouldn't go to church because they would say, oh, I don't have church clothes. Well, what in the world is that? No, you come as you are. Come in the clothes you have. Do wear clothes, but come in those. <laughs> Please wear clothes. How many of you remember back at Romans, we had, um, was it, what was it called? Crispy uh, creams and jeans. and jeans. Once a month, we did Krispy creams and jeans. And that was like, we were all so happy. That was the happiest day of the month. It seriously was And it nice. wasn't the donuts. It wasn't, it wasn't just, just the, donuts. the donuts. Although that helped. Yeah, it did help. But nonetheless, the idea is, let's just be normal as Christians and as church people. Let's just wear our normal stuff Monday through, you know, Saturday, the whole week. Let's just wear it. And let's be Christians. Okay. Number four, the service location, days and times. And again, it's negotiable. Traditionally, most people go to church Sunday mornings. That's the most well-attended services still everywhere. But that doesn't mean you can't have alternate options for people that are working, that are out of town, and so on, which is why we do Monday night. Because we know most people are back to work Monday. If they had sports or travel sports or on vacation or whatever, they're usually back by Monday. And we definitely see that pick up in the summer. So that is negotiable for us. I mean, as God leads and as there's human resources to do it, then we can have services a lot of times 
to get the word to people and get the gospel out. So then the aesthetics, the decor, the set design, the lighting, it's negotiable. In fact, we in fact forgot to mention that yeah. this is the beginning of some set design for Easter. So How do you guys like it? They did such a great job. They worked so hard. And, and you got to know, these guys, the way they put these sets together, they look like multi-million dollar sets, but what they do on a shoestring budget is phenomenal. And I imagine people would come in here and think, holy smokes, how can I do that in my place of business or something? It's not that expensive. It just it's, takes the brain power yeah. of the guys in the booth to figure out how to put it together. And it, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's not multi-millions. It's multi-hundreds. <laughs> multi-hundreds. But it looks amazing. And this, and it scaled down this week. They told us, they said, we're going to keep the cat in the bag. We're not going to show everything that it can do. So next weekend, Easter Sunday, ain't no grave. Don't miss it. All right, because we talk about worship and, and our music and audio. Of course, there's worship wars. You know, should we sing hymns? Should, where are the hymn books? Should we sing with the guitars? Should we we'd have all the music that we do here? Should it be, is it too loud? Is it not loud enough? Is it, should you raise your hands? Should you keep your hands down? Should you dance? Should you shout? Should you lay down? Should you stand up? Here's what we know. It's a war we don't fight. We just love the Lord. We're going to worship him and let it ride. Because for some people, we're not charismatic enough. For others, we're too charismatic. And for others, they love our music. Others, eh, I can do without it. It's just hard to win that. So we're, we're going to do, if it's all right with you, we're going to do worship the way we like it and enjoy it and just have fun. Loving God. Amen. And then lastly, just as far as negotiables, things like technology is ever-changing. The arts, the videos that we show, uh, the website, the whole internet world, the graphics, social media, all of those things are constantly changing. So we're doing our best with the volunteers we have, with the team we have, to just keep up with it at some level for the purpose of what? Getting the gospel to people in a way that when they come to church, they don't feel like they had to step back in time. That's the main reason. So that when people come to church, right away they can let their guard down. They can go, okay, this isn't freaking me out. You know, God's going to have something to say to me. And if their guard's not up, it's a whole lot easier for the Lord to get in there and say something to them. I just want to say one thing we've done in the last year or so is we've introduced a a dance team that that periodically will come and do various kind of uh, performances, which I, I just love that. I just love the arts and that creativity and the expression of their faith. And I, I love the people that are getting involved doing that who might not be able to you know, have a gift and yeah. want to do that but, but doesn't, don't have a place for that. I just really like that. I know that that's not, you know, every church has that or, you know, that's a mandate. It has to happen. No, it, it, we just like it. I yeah. just enjoy, enjoy And what I like that. about our dance team, Little Rabbit Trail here, is I think they're very appropriate. Yeah. I think they keep the focus on the Lord, and it's not distracting. It's like they're telling a story, and they just do a great job. But again, that's a negotiable to connect with a certain segment of our culture. So let's go back to the Word. So why do we do church in this, with this idea that we want to reach people through services? We talked about it last week, and again, if you didn't get a chance to hear last week's message, we'd sure love for you to go to the website and listen to it because it really explains the heart behind what we believe God's called us to do. But but here's a, a great verse. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach, reach a wide range of people. And I love that concept, yeah. a wide range of people. How many know it's easier to focus on just a small group? It's, it's easier to focus on just a segment of the population. But how many believe the gospel is, is for everybody? Yeah. 
And I think we have to have that same heart. So he goes on to say, religious, non-religious, meticulously moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. Notice that. I'm desiring to reach them, but I'm not going to become them. I'm not going to do, I'm going to make sure I'm bringing the message to them. He says this, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, the gospel message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Isn't that awesome? That's such a great passage. And that's the heart behind what we're doing as a church, the past, the present, but then in these next seven years, who believes we have to be more intentional, more spirit-led in reaching the culture? Because as we shared some statistics with you guys last week, two-thirds of the culture does not have a Bible reference. They don't really get it. And so we have to do this passage to reach a wide range of people. And then this passage in Acts has been a kind of a guiding uh, force for us over the past many years. And it's this, Acts 17. This is when Paul was speaking on Mars Hill in Athens, speaking to Stoics and Epicureans and philosophers and people that were a little heady people that were artistic, creative, and he was trying to get the gospel to them. And here's what he said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And then he goes on and quotes one of their poets one of their lyric writers of the day, one of their creatives of the day. He said, for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Well, when we read this passage a number of years ago, it just occurred to us because sometimes people wonder, hey, sometimes you guys at the church for your opening song, you'll use a secular song. Or sometimes you guys will use certain elements in the church. They're not like Christian elements. They're, They're not like you know, holy elements. Why do you do that? We do that because of Acts 17. We do that because as their own poets have said, in other words, when a secular minded person comes to church, they're not listening to Christian music. They're listening to secular music. They're watching Netflix. They're watching all kinds of secular stuff. And while we don't condone it or endorse it, we're going to use it as their own poets have said. So we are, we hand select the songs that the team does. Sometimes we revamp the lyrics just a little bit, but we do it on purpose. Years ago, the first, one of the first times we did it, we did a series on prayer and the opening song was living on a prayer by Bon Jovi. Do you know how many people literally felt free to invite their friends to that series? Like, oh my gosh, my friends will love the series. That was on purpose. Cause it's like, if we can get someone to in- relax, as we said earlier, connect with something that they're familiar with, Then their heart opens up, and really, we weren't there to have you sing Living on a Prayer. We were there to have you learn about how God wants to answer prayer. But we're just using, we're putting some bait on the hook, y'all. We're putting some bait on the hook, even as your own poets have said. That's why we do it, just so you know, because literally, we've had people leave the church because they did not understand why we were using some of these things. Now, if the whole service was all secular, then we would have a problem with that. But to have an opener, to have a thematic thing that will connect with your lost friends and family and unchurched and dechurched people, we are all about that. 
And all the people said. Amen. So one final thing, and we'll kind of close with this. It's, it's this imperative. What, why is this so important to us? Because here's, here's why. And, and we go back to Scripture for this because of something that it, it, it reads in the, in the book of Acts about King David. It says, David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep or died and was buried. In other words, this idea that we have only one life to live. We have only one chance at this. The world needs Jesus. You got saved. You received him. Now, it's our job after receiving Jesus to make sure that our lives are changed, that we're living the life that he's called us to live. But it's also taking our life as an investment into the lives of others that will outlive us because there will come a time when we're going to fall asleep when we're going to be buried. But what are we doing for eternity? And unfortunately, way too many Christians are just living for themselves, living for the now. They're not thinking about the future, the fact that we're going to be heading to heaven. And the question is, who are we taking with us? What are we doing to make sure that this message of, of this wonderful message of grace, of the lordship of Jesus Christ, is perpetuated throughout the world? That's our job. As, as Bishop Jake says, yeah. no one else is coming. It's our responsibility. So let's do something big for God. Amen? Come on. Yes. Awesome. Well, in wrapping up, just so you guys can see it, because... David served his own generation, and all of us, we're going to resonate with the generation we're in and maybe resonate a little bit with the generation above us and a little bit with the generation below us. Right now, it's such an unusual time, seven generations are alive on planet Earth. First generation, the traditionalists, the veterans, the greatest generation, 1922 through 1945 is when they were born. And thank God we have some of this generation here at VFC. They volunteer. They are all in. Number two generation, this used to be the largest generation, the baby boomers, born 1946 to 1964. That's a lot of us in that generation. Then we have the Gen X or MTV or the video generation. That was those born 1965 to 1980. So you're locating yourself, I'm sure. Then we have the millennials. They consider that now the largest generation. The millennials born 1981 to 1996. And then we have Generation Z. It's an important generation to pay attention to, most tech-savvy of all, 1997 to 2012. Then there's a new one, Generation Alpha, 2013 to 2005, and then, or 2000, what's that? 2000, oh, to 2025, sorry, sorry. 2013 to 2025, it's, they're being born now. And then this other generation is so interesting. It's a virtual generation, not based on birth dates. It's just based on the fact that we're all connected, Generation V, from 2001, with the birth of the internet, all of us being connected continually via the internet, social media, and so on. So it's our job to reach our generations in our lifetime. Okay, and finally, we're going to take you back to that first verse, Psalm 92, verse 13. Why is this important? Why are we just taking some time to share this and get you all on the same page? Because those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. In the courts of our God, they shall be, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. And our prayer for you is that, I guess a couple things. One is that you just go, okay, God, you know, I'm just going to re-up in my heart. I am all in. I'm all in. This isn't just Jeff and Beth's church. It's just not the executive team. It's just not the staff. It's just not the key volunteers. No, this is my church. 
I mean, even, even change your wording when you're talking to people. Don't talk about somebody else's church and say, no, my church. This is my church. And we want you to re-up in your heart to say, I am planted, God. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to use my gifts and talents to further your cause? And it's also a time, we don't really recommend this or like this, but it is, it is important, I guess, to say, if you don't resonate with this, then this is also a good time to go, I need to look elsewhere. Because God wants to build a church with people that are in unity on the vision because there God has commanded his blessing. And all the people said... All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for helping us be planted in your house. God, we declare that we will flourish, that we'll bear fruit, that we'll be fresh in all that we do. Lord, God, we just open ourselves up to you. We ask you to help us see what you see, do what you do. Help us be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.